Hello, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. We celebrate today not only the Divine Mother and our wonderful mothers here and around the world, but the Divine Mother nature that resides in all beings. I am Naya Swami Maria, and this is Naya Swami Ananta, and Abadri will be coming up to give the inspirational talk um, following this reading on Divine Mother Consciousness. So this is from Rays of the One Light. These are weekly commentaries uh, from the, on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, uh, written by Swami Kriyananda. Truth is one and eternal, Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. One of the most famous stories in the Gospels is that of Martha and Mary. Jesus, visiting the home of Martha, was, reaching, was teaching while her sister Mary sat at his feet absorbing his divine love and wisdom. Martha, meanwhile, busied herself with serving the guests and was upset with Mary for not helping her. Lord, she cried, doesn't it matter to you <laughs> that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Please ask her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. This story is classic, for Martha's complaint is very understandable and not on the surface of it spiritually wrong. Jesus may well have told Mary to get up and help her, we don't really know that he didn't consider it as he always was of others' needs. But the teaching here doesn't concern the obvious dilemma of devotees to, of devotees to work for God or to spend all one time, one's time in prayer. It concerns rather the attitude of the mind. Jesus didn't tell Martha, Martha, you are doing too much. He told her rather, you are letting your work affect your inner peace. That was the contrast, not work versus contemplation, but restless preoccupation versus peaceful absorption under all circumstances. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, actions performed under the influence of desire are greatly inferior to those which are guided by wisdom. Happiness eludes people when they act from self-interest. Seek shelter, therefore, in the equanimity of wisdom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. 
morning, everyone. I'd also like to welcome you to our Sunday service here at the Temple of Light and wish you all a very happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there who express that infinite love of the Divine Mother that we all share. I will begin with a reading from Whispers from Eternity, Yogananda's book of poems and prayer demands. This is the beautiful poem, God, God, God. From the depths of slumber, as I ascend the spiral stairway of wakefulness, I will whisper, God, God, God. Thou art the food, and when I break my fast of nightly separation from thee, I will taste thee and mentally say, God, God, God. No matter where I go, the spotlight of my mind will ever keep turning on thee, and in the battle din of activity, my silent war cry will be God, God, God. When boisterous storms of trials shriek, and when worries howl at me, I will drown their noises, loudly chanting, God, God, God. When my mind weaves dreams with threads of memories, then on that magic cloth will I emboss God, God, God. Every night in time of deepest sleep, my peace dreams and calls joy, 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 and my joy comes singing evermore, God, God, God. In waking, eating, working, dreaming, sleeping, serving, meditating, chanting, divinely loving, my soul will constantly hum, unheard by any, God, God, God. It's hard not to end the sermon right there, but I'll try to go on and we may come to that later. Today's topic from the reading, The Secret of Right Action, and the biblical story of Martha and Mary is a well-worn spiritual and all-around life instruction on the path of right action. And the truth that it matters very little what we do and a great deal in how we do it. I was reminded just this morning that um, a story that some friends of mine shared who grew up here at Ananda Village when they were young boys, um, naturally, they looked up to their fathers, who were both very, very fine men. And one of their fathers was a, a woodworker here, working in a cabinet shop in the community. And the other boy's father was a tradesman who happened to serve as the water uh, system operator in the community. So he would often be digging and fixing and installing water pipes and maintaining our water system. And the one boy, the son of the woodworker, upon observing their fathers, each of their respective fathers, and I think the waterman was doing an extensive repair somewhere in a more public area of the community, digging a ditch and fixing water leaks and such. The one boy said to his friend, with the keen skills of observation and youthful communication, he said, my father works in a wood shop and your father works in a ditch. <laughs> but knowing these two men and these boys, as I do, but both these men are exceedingly wonderful devotees, and I can be sure uh, that it didn't matter a stitch that 
what they did, but the spirit with which they did it, of devotion to God, of service to God. And much of this teaching originates in the mind. You know, Paramahansa Yogananda gave us so many tools uh, to work with the mind, just as we were doing affirmation and chanting and listening to this reading, you know, drawing from the teachings of the Bible, of the Bhagavad Gita. We have so many tools of meditation that help us to focus the mind and to utilize the tool that the mind is as a means to fill it with goodness and beauty and thoughts of God so that throughout our lives that is reflected back to us. And Swami Kriyananda touches somewhere on uh, the French philosopher René Descartes who famously said, I think, therefore I am. And that this teaching, although it does reflect this truth, falls short somewhere because the mind is only that tool that we can wield kind of on the ground floor of our lives. But it goes deeper into our consciousness, into our hearts, where this resides and originates. In fact, there's a joke about Descartes that, and his, his maxim, I think, therefore I am, that when he walked into a cafe and the waiter asked him if he would like a glass of water, Descartes replied, I think not, and poof, he disappeared. <laughs> and so it is that the teaching does fall short, that the mind, although an instrument and a powerful one at that, is only a reflection of our consciousness and our attitudes. And, you know, attitude is a fundamental and essential part of the spiritual path and of the path of discipleship. Attitude helps us to direct our energies and our intention in any circumstances towards God. And as devotees, as disciples, most of us of Paramahansa Yogananda, this helps us to find deeper realization in everything that comes to us, in every trouble that besets us, in every opportunity before us, is to love God, to serve God, and to draw these lessons that life has to teach us through these experiences. And attitude can be a, a simple approach to the spiritual path, and it can have deeper you know, teachings of karma and lessons for us all. In the autobiography of a yogi, it says that devotees who are in tune with God perform no action amiss. So when we are deeper in our attunement, through meditation, through service, through devotion, our attitudes are right, and we're able to find God in every circumstance, even and especially when it can be very difficult to do so. There's a very touching and inspiring account in Autobiography of a Yogi of Yogananda's own father, Bhagavati Ghosh, and Brahmachari Sagar gave a beautiful account of this chapter, of this series of events some weeks ago at Sunday service um, when Yogananda is called to go to America in 1920. And I just want to touch on one little episode from this point in Yogananda's life. And this is when he's made the decision 
to go to America to share the teachings of self-realization and to spread this message of unity in God throughout the West. And he goes to his father, Bhagavati, and he tells him of his plans. And he says that his father was utterly taken aback. And Yogananda being the elder son after his uh, older brother Ananta had passed away, um, you know, was so dear to his family and to his father, naturally. And the thought of him going to far off America, not knowing if or when he would ever return, his father replied, how can you go? And having sponsored him financially through his education and his young adult life, he said, and who will finance you? And Yogananda, with his simple and beautiful characteristic faith in God, he said, the Lord will surely find a way, knowing that this mission was from God. And then he said, he added, with only a little guile, perhaps God will inspire you, Father, to finance me. And Bhagavati said, no, never. Pretty final words. Well, the next day, most of us know, Bhagavati handed him a large sum of money and said, I give you this money, not as your father, but as a disciple of Lahiri Mahashai, of this lineage of our masters, of this path. And his father was a great devotee himself and a spiritual seeker, and he knew through his attunement with God, with the Guru, that this was the path of destiny for his son, and that, in fact, the greater reality is that millions will find God through Yogananda, including all of us. And through this attunement, performing no action amiss, Bhagavati exemplified this principle that often inexplicably through that attunement, we can find the right course of action. In Yogananda's many prayers and inspirational teachings, he says the highest prayer of all is give me thyself, Lord, that I may give thee to all. And that was Swami Kriyananda's desire, and by extension, all of our mission is to find God and share God with all. And Yogananda also says, the other aspect to this highest prayer, or another, we could say, kind of twin prayer, is to guide me, Lord. He says, I will reason, I will will, and I will act, but guide my reason, will, and activity to the right path in everything. And this teaching is everything on the spiritual path, is attuning ourselves to God and acting, however imperfectly, on his behalf in everything that we do, in everything that comes to us. And, you know, to really put a point on it, I was reminded of something that Jodish and Devi have often shared from 2010 that Swami Kriyananda said to them. And I don't think we can revisit this often enough, that they were sitting with Swamiji at the breakfast table, of all places, and they asked Swami the question that I think is on all of our minds and as sincere spiritual seekers that is really on all of our hearts emblazoned forever. They said, Swami, we've been at this for a long, long time. How do we really 
progress on the path to self-realization. And Swami put down his fork and he said to them, the whole of the spiritual path is to overcome the ego and we do so by longer, deeper meditation and seeing God as the doer in everything. The whole of the spiritual path is to overcome the ego and we do so by longer, deeper meditation and seeing God as the doer in everything. And so this is the whole teaching for us, to overcome the ego. And we do so through that longer and deeper meditation and devotion and through the path of karma yoga, of service, of seeing God as the doer in everything. And in time, our hearts are purified. I was listening to a talk by Swami Kriyananda where at the end he talks about this principle of attitude and of seeing God as the doer. And he says the most important aspect of right attitude is purity of heart. And it's through the heart's purification that we behold God everywhere that this teaching of seeing God as the doer in everything becomes real to us because we have to make the teachings real and in our daily lives, in our activity, in our work, relationships and service is where these spiritual teachings are really put to the test. And as I say, it can often be inexplicable, but God will come to us through this devotion, through this sincerity, if we keep on seeking sincerely and with all we've got. We have some friends who are visiting us from Los Angeles this weekend, and uh, one of them is a friend of mine named Dharna, and he was sharing with me just a couple of nights ago that he had a spiritual reading from the book of Brigu, which many of you know about. And this gives insights into one's life that were realized long, long ago, many centuries ago in India. And so a pundit who, this is not a psychic reading, but is able to read these very ancient scripts and interpret the meaning for your life right now, because it's beyond time and space, you know, perceived from a, a state of, of higher consciousness. And so in this reading, this pundit was telling my friend Dharna that he has accomplished a lot in this lifetime, which he has, for those that know him. He's worked very hard, he's dedicated, and has built a very successful business, some other things. And that's what this person, who really knew nothing about him, was telling him, that he's worked very hard, that he's accomplished many things. And Dharna was saying, yes, yes, that's true. And then the man said, and now you want to leave all that behind and seek God, renouncing and just serving and loving God. And Dharna said, yes, yes. And the pundit said, no, no. He said, you need to keep working very hard for 10 more years. And uh, kind of humorous though it is, and not to disrespect the pundit in any way, I don't think that's true. I think for Dharna and for all of us, seeking God ever deeper, ever more sincerely, renouncing 
everything for God will come through our ever more dedicated service, our work, our devotion, our relationships, everything that comes to us in life from God and from the masters will take us deeper on this path. As Swami said, overcoming the ego will get us there through meditation every day, deeper with more devotion, with more discipline and dedication, and through karma yoga, through service to others, and through relinquishing our personal desires and attachments and serving God with all that we've got. And so, my friends, I think that through this path and these means, we'll just realize more and more, as my friend Devarshi, who's visiting from India, was sharing with me here at Ananda Village, this is probably the holiest place on the planet. And it's not a statement of personal pride or ego on behalf of anyone. It's a statement of God's glory and the spiritual life that is rich with his blessings and those who live for him. And however imperfect they may be or this place may be, that God's incredible blessings, that the Divine Mother who we celebrate through the human mothers everywhere today, that her infinite love and care and blessings are so near and close to us. And increasingly with every thought of God through this path of right action, of the mind, of our attitudes, of our devotion and service, that we will realize this incredible opportunity that we have, this life in God that is meant to be celebrated and rejoice together in our friendships, in our spiritual lives and activities, that we have this unparalleled opportunity to rejoice in God together. And I'll just close once more, sharing with you the final lines of this poem again. In waking, eating, working, dreaming, sleeping, serving, meditating, chanting, divinely loving, my soul will constantly hum, unheard by any, God, God, God. children mother call you knowing not it's you they call some through mists of their unknowing bruised and hurting when they fall turn away but who can leave you the mother of us all. If the child forgets its mother, will she coldly turn away? Wise or foolish, we're your children. Guide us, mother, if we stray those whose hearts are torn with anguish 
lack the power your name to call. Heal their wounds, ma, soothe their sorrows. You, the mother of us all, heal their wounds, ma, Soothe their sorrows, you the mother.